You're listening to A Window on North Devon, a podcast about people in North Devon, hosted by Jim Duncan and supported by the lovely people at Woodstock Windows. Hello and welcome to the Window on North Devon podcast. I'm Jim Duncan. Today I have been invited to the home of Peter Christie, one of North Devon's prominent historians, who has written 22 books with titles such as North Devon History, Bill Frickoon Through Time, and uh, Church, Sex and Slander in Elizabethan North Devon. Uh, for many years he's uh, had a regular column in the North Devon Journal. Peter is a local councillor who has been the Mayor of Biddeford twice. Many of us know him as a lecturer from um, Petrock or North Devon College. And uh, soon um, he is bringing his talk on unexplained phenomena in North Devon to theatres in local towns. Is that all correct? I've got that right? Well, it's actually 32 books. 32 books? <laughs> yes, sorry. Blimey, 10 out. That's a big, big error. Um, Peter, thank you for agreeing to come on the podcast and uh, your time. Um, thank you for inviting me. We're sat here in... Um, which I described as a study as I walked in, but um, Peter described it as something more. Um, it's a place for books, yeah, records, um, storage. It's an incredible room, and if I had time, I probably could spend weeks in here um, discovering different things. Um, so, thank you. Um, I want to start. Are you a true North Devonian? No, I'm not. Um, I came here in 1976. Uh, I came here because of the job at the college. And uh, I come from Suffolk. So, but as as your historian, what what is the definition of a North Devonian? <laughs> uh, it's always difficult because um, I do a talk on the North Devon savages, and they came from near Lapford. And you think that's pushing it a bit, actually. I, I'd say that North Devon probably ends somewhere between Torrington and Holsworthy, but uh, it's up to people themselves. You know, everyone has their own definitions. So. Um, if you can hear any noises, Pete, um, Pete's got some carpenters in his back room and they're, they're just wandering around. Um, it's fine, we had uh, did one with us, um, Nick Thorne and his wife came out of the shower halfway through. Oh, right, great. Very <laughs> casual. Um, so the, it was the college that brought you to North Devon. It what, was, yeah. What was your first thoughts of North Devon? Because it's changed a lot since, was it the 70s, did you say? 76. Um, well, when I arrived, uh, it was very odd, actually. It was North Devon was... Um, the centre of attention in Britain at, at that time is the Jeremy Thorpe trial. And I arrived at the station, I always remember it, arrived at the station, and they had porters back then, and the porter actually asked me, had I come for the Jeremy Thorpe trial? And I thought, what? Uh, but uh, no, when I came, I'd been to North Devon before, actually, and I just came here, and it, it was a bit like Suffolk back then. It was still very rural, Barnstable still recognisably a market town, that um, had lots of local shops and was still fairly small. Um, I went round, I, I could have lived anywhere really, but uh, I actually inherited a flat at Instow and, uh, from another lecturer and it, it took me a month to realise, because I went round the village, introduced myself and so on, and people were almost doffing their hats to me. And I didn't know why until a month later I suddenly realised the Christie family were living at Tapley Park <laughs> and everybody thought I was one of them. I'm not. But uh, So you, you were almost introduced as almost local royalty and did you, how did you let them down? Was it gently or did you just carry on with the... Well, as I say, it took me a month to realise what was going on and then I had to do a bit of reading. Um, since then, I, I knew Miss Christie very well and I know Hector. And, uh, but people still ask. 
you know, are you related? I usually say yeah, yeah. It's one Hector, of my questions, I'll cross that yeah. off. Hector's my brother, I usually <laughs> say. Yeah. Um, now, I want to talk a bit about um, what I kind of consider your main job, but it seems like a backstory almost to what you actually um, seem to do with all your other commitments. But you've been a lecturer um, at college in Barnstable, as you said, since 1976. Um now you probably didn't remember, I was actually one of your students. Yes, I, I had a feeling you were, actually. I've had... Oh, God, I've had thousands it, it's, of it's students. It's all right. It was only for about three weeks. I was decided it? I didn't enjoy colouring maps in geography. Oh, right. So I went into something much more important, oh, like right. an AS in film studies, which, yeah. which is, was pointless. I've had a lot of students. Um, some I remember much better than others. I have to say that because... Katie Hopkins was one of my students, uh, but I don't like to talk about her. You know, there, there's been some interesting ones over the years, but there's been a lot of them. Yeah, no, I can imagine. I mean, how does it feel to be involved in the education of so many people in North Devon? I loved it, actually. I, I really enjoyed teaching. The problem was, because I, I was an A-level teacher, that you had to teach to a syllabus, and you just had to plough your way through it. And occasionally you go off on a tangent. That was much more interesting. And uh, the longer I was a teacher, the more I went off on a tangent. But um, I think that's what makes you a popular teacher, though, isn't it? The more oh, the it teacher is, goes yes. off on a tangent, the it more is. you enjoy the lessons. It is. Uh, but teaching in other areas, you had much more leeway. I mean, I, I've been an open university lecturer for many years, and there you've got much more time, and you can, you can actually talk a lot more around the subject but uh, swings and roundabouts you know so, so you mentioned Katie Hopkins and um, <laughs> then yeah. um, what there's students that you know of, uh, that you're especially proud of that you've really enjoyed watching the development especially who have made an impact on the local area oh yes except that most of my students left um, I used to say to them the very first lesson I saw them I said well you've all volunteered to leave North Devon and they look at me quizzically and I'd say, well, you've come here to do A-levels. There aren't many jobs in North Devon require A-levels. You'll be leaving to go to university or go to a city to find a job. And you could see almost a light bulb going on above their heads, thinking, oh, yeah, I suppose I am, actually. And what has been really interesting, I, I see quite a few um, who have stayed, and often they've gone into what I would call professional jobs. Um, but now, because I'm so old... Uh, I'm seeing some of them come back, almost early retirement, coming back down here. And also, quite a few of them seem to have come back for a better quality of life, which you get in North Devon. And so I do see quite a few, although there's a lot I don't recognise, if only because, and this is going to sound very rude, but I, I get blokes come up to me in the street and they say, oh, hello, sir, that's always a giveaway, the sir yeah. bit. And uh, they say, do you remember me? And you, you feel like saying, well, when I taught you, you were slim and you had hair. Because <laughs> you see these, these fairly large blokes with no hair and you think, I can't remember you. The women I can remember much better because they don't change so much. But it's really exciting. I mean, you do put your foot in it very often. I can always remember, and this is gonna be very embarrassing, um, I went to Abisham School. Now, lots of my students work in local schools. They've come back. And, uh, anyway, I went to Abisham School, and they had the security door and everything. I pressed it, and uh, this young woman came to the door. And I said, oh, hello, I've, I've come to see the head teacher. 
she looked at me and she said, I am the head teacher and don't you recognise me, sir? <laughs> and that happens quite a lot, actually. Wonderful. Um, completely separate question. What's your favourite fact about North Devon? My favourite fact about... Oh, God. It's quite on the spot, uh, sorry. Yeah. Um, when you say fact, do you mean my favourite feature of North Devon? Or... I mean, a fact. There are millions of facts. Okay. Uh, it's, a difficult, it's a difficult question, isn't it? I love the sea. That's, that's my great thing. Um, and the fact that Devon has got you know, a longer coastline than any other county in England. There we go. It's a good fact. It's a good fact, yeah. Good geographical fact there, which I'm sure all my students remember. Yeah, I think that was probably after I left that lesson. Yeah, yeah. I'd probably just stay for clouds and that's uh, right. map yeah, colouring. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, I've got here prostitution in Victoria North Devon was your PhD is that it, it is a my PhD. PhD I'm working on it at the moment oh you're working yeah, on it I've now. got so two when degrees did you start doing... well I started years ago it's one of those things that I st I've got two degrees my first degree is in geography my second degree is in local history and I did it on occupations in Portsmouth now the second one sounds more interesting yeah the it doesn't take you long when you start researching occupations in Portsmouth in history to come across prostitutes. It's a naval town. Absolutely. And I was just intrigued by this because I'd never come across this in local history before. And I became intrigued and there's very little written about it. And yet it was a fact of life as it is today. And when I came to North Devon, um, I started reading my way through the old North Devon journals, which begin in 1824. I've read my way through the complete run, and as I went through, I was making notes, and I made lots of notes on prostitutes, and I was just astonished at it. This is a rural area, and you don't think of it, but um, there is a wonderful quote, 1865, the, um, the journalist goes to court, there's a prostitute up in court, and he talks about um, there being 300 in Barnstable. I thought it's an awful lot. Well, I looked at the census figures. Um, there were 4,800 women in basketball in 1861. So that means one in 16 women in basketball was a prostitute in the Victorian period. And if you, and I'm going to be very sexist here, if you say half are probably too old or too young, one in eight. And it gives you a complete new insight into Victorian life. Um, it isn't just basketball, although that's, there are most there, but um, every town and village has got some. And it became really interesting because I've always been interested in people at the margins of society. I mean, I've got files on gypsies in North Devon and files on criminals and all this sort of thing. But uh, I was astonished by the prostitutes. And I, did a, I started working up a talk on it, and it's become my most popular talk. Um, I think every women's institute in North Devon has asked me to give it. They love it. But um, I thought, now I've basically retired from college, I'll finish my PhD. Um, so I'm working on it. And when do you expect to finish? Uh, uh, no idea. I've got so you many other Who marks your stuff? Surely you're the marker. <laughs> no, no, there are postgraduate uh, lecturers um, who work on it, but... Uh, no, you, you go along for a, what they call a viva, it's an oral interview and they read your PhD and so on. But, uh, hopefully I'll finish it before I die. So. 
So, um, I've written down 20, but I'm going to change it. As we've said, uh, you're the author of some 32 books um, on local history. There's Biddeford History Tour, Biddeford Through Time, The Book of Biddeford and Secret Biddeford. Is Biddeford that interesting? They're not all on Biddeford, actually. (laughs) Um, About half are on Biddeford. Um, Well, I live in Biddeford. And when I I came to Biddeford, I I could have lived anywhere, really, after Instow. And... um, I came to Biddeford and I thought, what a quirky little town. And I just loved it. And I, I love the fact that the river is still the centre of Biddeford because you go to Barnstable and you're not even aware the river's there sometimes. It's, it's odd how they ignore their river. Here in Biddeford, it's very much the centre of town. I like that. And I came here and I started, because I'm a local historian by training, I started to research the history of Biddeford. And start writing books. Uh, Most people don't get past reading the placards on the seafront. <laughs> no. Um, I, just, I just love researching the history of it. Um, and also, because I've become part of Biddeford life, if I say it myself, mm. um, it helps enormously. I believe there's a statue fund at the moment, is there? <laughs> well, I've named all the roads in Biddeford over the last 25 years because they come to the council the town council and ask and uh, I've tried to make them have some sort of historical link so a lot of roads in Biddeford are named after dead mares um, so who knows maybe they've got <laughs> de- dead prostitutes as well oh we haven't quite got that far yet <laughs> haven't run out of names no yet. no you are listening to a window or are listening to a window as always a huge thanks to our supporters woodstock windows who pride themselves on being clear open and honest clear they know that choosing new windows doors and conservatives can be confusing so they'll help explain everything as simply as possible they're open and always invite customers to see and touch the products in their showroom they're always on at hand to discuss and there's absolutely no hard sell and honesty. They won't deceive you with false deals, just quality products, excellent value, brilliant service, and expert installation. Now back to the conversation. Okay, um, so your latest book that you sent me um, uh, the, the cover of, um, it's a compendium of stories that you've written for the North Devon Journal over the last so many years. North Devon Journal, The Gazette, uh, Western Morning News, plus ones that haven't been published before. I, I keep writing articles, I can't stop. Just keep going. Yeah. Um, it's called Even More North Devon History Part 2. Yeah, it's uh, it's number six in the series. Number six. Yeah. And you've wanted to finish this one for quite a while. I have. Um, I did five in the series, and it's been quite a few years since I, I got the last one, but I thought I've got to do it. And I had it ready, actually, so I brought it out. So. Do you self-publish, or is it No, um, I self-publish a lot, but I also write for uh, big companies that uh, ask me you know, to produce a book. Okay. Um, so, you don't seem to focus um, on the humdrum history, as it were. <laughs> you seem to pick out the interesting stories. What, what is it in this book? What can we expect? Well, uh, you inspect everything. I mean, there are articles on prostitution in Barnstable. Um, there's one on spontaneous human combustion in Barnstable because 
I also write for a magazine called 14 Times, the Journal of Unexplained Phenomena, which you can buy in news agents actually. And it's again one of my interests, but um, it covers all sorts of stuff that I, I like human history, although I do a lot of landscape stuff as well. But um, I, I really enjoy writing about people, and people have lots of odd stories. Uh, you get stuff about witchcraft, you get stuff about folklore, um, you get stuff, uh, people complaining uh, about things. In the, I've done a book on letters to the journal from all over North Devon in the Victorian period because I don't know if you're like me, when you get the local paper, you turn to the letters page, it's always the same people who write, of course, and you know exactly what they're going to say. Uh, but the Victorians are slightly different in that you get some very eccentric letters always beautifully written as well and i put together a book of those and it's all that sort of human material that so I with like that did you about. you notice that the, these people were writing letters and then you went and researched the individual behind the letter i know a lot of the individuals after having read through the journal but a lot of them um they're anonymous uh, because in the past, the editor used to allow them to use pen names, so long as they supplied their real name to them. But he didn't print the real name, so you're not sure who they are, unfortunately. Okay. Well, you can guess in some cases. Hmm. Interesting stuff. Um, what is, this is an important question, what is your favourite part of the A361? <laughs> my favourite part of the A361? Oh, my goodness me. Um not something I've ever thought about, actually, to be honest. Uh, I've got a favourite lay-by or, you know, <laughs> roundabout. <laughs> oh dear. What a weird question. Um, not really, no. No. Wonderful road. Wonderful road. When did it, when it's in it, the wrong place. It is in the wrong place. Yeah. When was it built? It was... Uh, about 30 years ago now. Yeah. Um, I actually... Actually, a friend of mine was the only person whose house was knocked down on the entire route. He lived in the old railway station at Philly. And he was... The route, when it came out, showed that it was going to just clip um, the Fortescue estates of Philly. And I think somebody had a word, and it was changed, and it went through his house. <laughs> and he got very upset, and he sold his garden off. He had a big garden on the railway track and he sold it off in one foot square plots for three quid a time and I bought one uh, and then the Department of Transport had to serve compulsory purchase orders to get hold of this land in order to build the A361 uh, so I wasn't a big fan uh, but now it serves a purpose and it, it needs, does, needs more yes. reinvestment essentially well they say that, I'm not actually convinced by that at all um, well do people just need to drive carefully? they need to drive more carefully the, the link road is perfectly safe, it, except you, and I suspect many of your listeners, have seen idiots, complete lunatics sometimes, uh, drive on it. And it does worry me that you know there are these people out there, but tinkering around with it isn't really going to do it. And over here in Biddeford, we have a, a major problem. They keep saying, oh, we're going to improve it, improve it, and we're going to do the, uh, improve the roundabout, um, between Northern and Biddeford, that's where all the money's going to go. The problem is we've got a two-lane bridge, the Torridge Bridge, which can't be improved. You've got two lanes. Mm. 
on an incredibly busy bit, which they can't improve, and you think tinkering around with the rest of it is just pointless, really. I personally think they should make it all single carriageway. That's interesting. Uh, <laughs> you do I'm need not a town planner, I'm not no, You do need passing places, and I think the passing places they have are quite adequate, but you always get some people who, who think you know saving another couple of minutes is absolutely vital. Uh, but there we are. Well, that is my favourite part of the podcast. I love the A361 chat. I ask everybody. Um, so you've been the Mayor of Barnstable twice. Biddeford. Biddeford. <laughs> I so go down well. Yeah. Let's re-record that. So you've been the Mayor of uh, Biddeford twice. I've even written yes. in front of me, Biddeford. I have, yes. Um, how many other mayors have you met other than Biddeford mayors? Oh, God, I've met hundreds of them. Um, Do you get to like a mayor conference? They, they have. Uh, when mayors get together, they're called the chain gang. It's a well-known thing, but um, I was I was mayor of Biddeford first in 1985, and I, I was the youngest ever mayor of Biddeford, um, and I was the first Green Party mayor in Britain. And I had to wait, I think, 21 years before I was mayor next. Um, so I've met a lot of mayors over the years because I've been invited to do talks and town halls and things, and because I've been on the I've been a councillor for. God, uh, 35 years. The longest member of the council? The longest, mem- longest serving member of the council, yeah. Both Torridge District and the town council now. So I'm the longest serving member. So you meet a lot of them. And uh, what was the most exciting thing you, you, you did as a mayor? <laughs> most exciting thing? Oh, gosh. I've done all sorts of so wonderful like it's, things. It's, it's quite a ceremonial role, it's not... Oh, it is. It's not, you don't have control. No, no. no you, you have no real power, although people think you do, of course. But it's all the gold you get. Well, the gold is fantastic. Um, it really is historic, actually. I've written about the mayor's chain and the history of it. And you go around... I mean, Biddeford's chain is probably the best in North Devon. And I'm not just bragging there. It really <laughs> is something. Um, but I'm going to go ask Paul Crabbe afterwards. You can ask Paul, yes, yes. Uh, yeah. But his isn't the real mayor, actually. I hate to say that, but it isn't not a real mayor. Oh, right, I'm uh, definitely going to bring that up. You ask him, yes. Um, but I can remember Biddeford has links with Dartmouth because of rowing, and the Biddeford mayor always goes down to the Dartmouth regatta. And I remember it was the second time I was mayor, actually. I, I said, well, I've got my invite down, I'll, I'll go. And my town clerk said, unfortunately, the beadle, who's there to guard you and guard the mayor, uh, and the chain, really, rather than the mayor, uh, he couldn't go, and so I had to go my, on my own. And I went down, and I had to change in the back of the car, in the boot. And I can always remember, I got directed into the VIP parking lot, because Dartmouth is terrible for parking. And I had to put the chains on in the car park and walk through Dartmouth. And I was actually stopped with people taking photographs, thinking I was the mayor of Dartmouth. And it was wonderful. Um, real, quite strange thing to do but to actually turn up with a, the chains are worth a lot of money uh, just to st- you know put them on and walk through the town <laughs> quite wonderful and so you're a councillor Torridge district councillor yeah. and town councillor yeah um, for, for Biddeford for Biddeford <laughs> not Barnstable not Barnstable no. um, what is it that makes you continue to do it because it's a quite a demanding thing to do um, mm. Um, mostly unpaid, um, often thankless, I suspect. Oh, yeah. Well, I first started uh, because of sewage. 
Um, you mentioned my name in town and sewage would be on everyone's lips because when I started back in 83, I remember, 83, uh, sewage was still being poured into the tor and the torridge untreated. And it horrified me and I couldn't believe in this day and age we were still dumping raw sewage into the rivers. And there was a big push to get Southwest Water to do something about it. And we, here in Biddeford, we were really pushing for this because Westwood Ho, which is the only real beach in Torridge, real tourist beach, um, had you know very high readings of uh, bacteria and, so, and viruses. And I thought, I've got to do something about this. And I was a geography lecturer, and so I knew quite a lot about it and about the tidal currents and all this. And I stood on that basis as a Green Party candidate, because, although it was the Ecology Party back then, which nobody knew what we stood for. But um, I got voted on on my third attempt, and um, that's all right. All right, got voted on on my third attempt, and I joined. And because I I did actually know what I was talking about, um, after a year they made me the deputy mayor. And on my third year, they made me the mayor. But that was on the basis that I had to go to the public inquiry and present Biddeford Town Council's case for sewage, uh, which we won. And the sewage works were built at Abisham a lot later. They upgraded Ashford uh, over in Barnsville. And now all the sewage is treated. Um, and uh, it's a real success story, actually. Absolutely. But that's how I got involved in the council. But... It, it's, it's going to sound awfully pretentious, this, but I've always been grateful that the state paid for my education at university. I was really lucky. I spent six years at university, and I thought, I spent all that money, I've got to give something back. And I thought, well, I've got this expertise in geography. And I knew about planning, and I was also beginning to research the history and realising that the key to a lot of the present in North Devon is actually in the past how things happened then and I, I, I thought yeah I actually quite enjoy being on the council and uh, luckily the electorate seemed to agree with me and uh, I think I've won every I've won nine elections in a row now something like that um, do you think you're going to stop before you lose well who was it Enoch Powell said that all political careers end in uh, I can't remember the word, but uh, they end in disgrace or something. But um, I don't know, really. Uh, I still enjoy it immensely. And I write this weekly column in the journal, I've written it for years now, about what goes on in Biddeford. Because the press don't cover all the meetings by any means. In fact, they come to very few. And, and yet, we are governing and we are controlling people's lives. I mean, we set the council tax last night, and it's very important, I think, that you have people on there who love the town and who want to be there for all the right reasons. And I like to think I'm there for the right reasons. Um, and so I keep standing. Well, good for you. I think if you if you feel like you're doing the right thing, then there's no reason to um, no reasons to stop doing it. Well, that's when the electorate think 
No, he's not doing the right thing. <laughs> okay, so um, you said that you um, are a writer for the 14 Times occasionally, um, which is probably why you're doing... Is it? Have you started doing these talks, or are they about to start? Um, the Unexplained Phenomena in North Devon. Um, I've been doing talks for 30 years. Um, I've given this talk on Unexplained Phenomena occasionally before. Uh, I've never done it in St. Anne's Chapel, I think mm. it's going to and I've never done it in there. In fact, I've never spoken in there, so it's going to be a first for me. It's a nice room, though. It is. I've been there, and I've been to meetings there, but I've never spoken there. And uh, I'm doing another one there, actually, a bit later on, prostitution. Um, I will be naming names, uh, which is always interesting. But, uh... Are you saying that there's um, uh, current big names in the North Devon world that... Well, go down to when prostit- I researched... named recent prostitution? No, when I researched... The prostitute. <coughs> I was interested in what happened to them, and a lot of them got married, and they have descendants, and people don't realise that. Um, Are we talking I, Brent here? Sorry, <laughs> you said it. Um, no, I haven't come across any Brens. No, uh, other things about the Brens, but not that. Um, no, some of the names you recognise, and I have actually met descendants of these women. Nothing you can do about it today, of course. And, and if you've ever done your family history, a black sheep in the family is much more interesting than a oh, normal, yeah. <laughs> everyday person. What's well, that BBC One programme? Um, where they Who do you think you yeah, are? You don't get on that if you've got a boring family, no, do you? No, no, no. I was in the record office one day, and uh, the staff know my interest. And this lady was there working, and she came over to me, and she said, oh... Um, the staff have said, you might be able to help me. I'm, I'm researching my family history. I've got this lady. Um, and they said, you better tell me about her. I, I looked at the name. Oh, God, no. She was the most notorious prostitute in Barnsley in the 19th century. Her husband had been transported to Australia for theft. He was in Australia. She was running a brothel and all this. I thought, oh, God, how do I tell this woman? Anyway, I said, well, look, I'm sorry, but I, I have to say this woman it was you know, a prostitute. Whereupon she burst out laughing. And I thought, not quite the uh, reaction I expected. And uh, I looked and I said, excuse me, but why are you laughing? She said, I'm a magistrate. <laughs> and I thought, great. But uh, no, there are you know, lots of descendants around. Amazing. And people don't realise that in the past, prostitution, women were forced into it very often for economic necessity. Their husbands were away at sea for years. I can only um, assume that no one ever goes into it because they want to. I don't know, actually. Uh, in Victorian period, rural life in Devon was incredibly boring. And people, young women, would come to town for a bit of excitement. And the bright lights of the pubs and the music, you know, they were lured in, the downward path and all this sort of thing. But I suspect the boredom, if you lived on a farm, the high point of your life would be coming to Barnstable Fair for a day. And that was it. Still is for some people. It still it? is for some people. Yeah. I look forward to Barnsley. Yeah, Barnsley Fair is great. <laughs> but um, you know, there are no television, no radio. You probably couldn't read newspaper, or you didn't get it. You just did. You worked seven days a week, or what, six days a week. You went to chapel or church three times on a Sunday. You know, if you were a young person, you probably wanted a bit more out of life, and I suspect there is part of that as well. Okay, um, I'm going to finish as I always do by asking, what's your favourite view in North Devon? My favourite view? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, that's fairly easy, actually. 
Um, I used to take my students out, both Open University and the college ones, uh, to Harland. You cannot equal, I, I think, the view from the cliffs at Harland. Just fantastic. Uh, I, I love the sea, but seeing the majesty of those cliffs and also understanding how they've got there, being a geographer, you can, you can you can read the landscape, and what a landscape to read! It's a fantastic book. Amazing, wonderful. Thank you. Well, I've I've learned a lot, <laughs> which I was I'm pleased about. Funny you stayed in my class. Yeah, funny I stayed in your class. <laughs> Not wasted my time watching Indiana Jones. I regret it. Um, so thank you very much. Uh, I'm glad to find out that you, you are not the mayor of Barnstable or indeed Dartmouth, um, and you are not related to the Christies. Um, so thank you very much for letting me come and talk to you. Thank you. You have been listening to A Window on North Devon. The show is supported by Woodstock Windows, who have been supplying and fitting windows, doors and conservatories in homes in North Devon since 1986. For more information on this podcast or our supporters, go to woodstockwindows.co.uk forward slash blog. This show was produced by Jim Duncombe.